Hello, hello everybody. Going live for Tuesday Talks today. We have an amazing person called Jeremy. Now, Jeremy is a uh, pastor, husband, father, writer, and a speaker as well. Um, so let's get Jeremy on here and we get to speak to him. And here is his story. Um, so I've, I've done a short introduction for you, which was in the bio as well. So very short introduction, but you're the best person to introduce yourself and, you know, do a bit more justice. So let us know who you are, what you do, uh, and then share us your story. Okay, awesome. Uh, thank you for having me today. Thank you for uh, accommodating the madness of my schedule. As you can see, I am not in my office right now. I am sitting in my mobile office. Uh, hooked up to my car today in the parking lot of um, of a hospital. My son was born a month early a few days ago and is here in the NICU. And so I've stepped out for a few minutes and I am glad to have the opportunity to talk to you. Uh, thank you for the introduction. My name is Jeremy Hall. I am the associate pastor at Townview Baptist Church, a moderate Baptist church. Yes, we exist. Those are real things a moderate and affirming Baptist church in Kennesaw, Georgia. So if you think about Atlanta, Kennesaw is sort of the farthest north you can go and still be a suburb any farther north than you are in the country. So give you a sense of sort of where we do ministry. Uh, I'm a doctoral candidate in the Doctor of Ministry program at Mercer University. Uh, the degree will read Doctor of Ministry in Justice and Peacemaking. I mean, I sh I'm just doing the program for that credential because that sounds awesome. Um, and so in, uh, in all of my spare time, I host the Kingdom Ethics podcast along with Dr. David P. Gushy, one of the leading uh, ethicists working today, and recently wrapped on a uh, short-run project called Virtually Church, exploring sort of what the church's value should be during this COVID situation with so many of us relying more on technology so lots of leadership lots of things to think about um but keeping busy staying uh, and staying connected well thank you very much for sharing that and i, I would like to obviously congratulate you on your uh, son and obviously thank he you. couldn't wait to come and see you guys earlier so he came early <laughs> and i hope everything is okay and uh, the yes. mom and everybody is doing good as well Thank you for that. Yes, mom is doing great. And so is uh, our son Wilder. Um, he's uh, at 10 days in the NICU, but is improving the way he should be. So we hope to have him home this week. Awesome. Awesome. And, and wow. So, you, you know, you, uh, I'm, I'm already in awe of your commitment and time. So, you, you know, it's so much happening around you uh, and you're here. So thank you very much for that. And, and I can see uh, all those leadership that, programs that you're a part of and that awesome training that you're doing to have just that on your uh, CV once it's done. <laughs> that is just like, if I if I didn't see that CV and I'm like, yeah, we'll just interview this guy for just to find that out what this is. <laughs> um, so, you know, the, the question would be um, to start with, what got you into this? Uh, what was the turning point that you realized? Is that something you wanted to do for a long time or for, since the beginning? I've, I've known that I've wanted to be in the ministry world for a long time, probably since middle school. 
Now, the motivating factor for that was my sort of... So I was a wonderful fundamentalist, like the worst kind of Christian you could possibly meet. Um, totally self-righteous, totally certain, very, knew everything, had all the answers to every single question in the world, and I had it all right. And what sort of drove me into ministry was this sense that, like, I take it more seriously than everyone else. So it was this awful self-righteous instinct that drove me into pursuing uh, a vocation in ministry. But then education and the process and actually doing the work allowed God to soften my heart and change me into someone that I can stand to be around. Wow. It's, it's quite quite interesting to hear, right? It's like, uh, I think we, uh, I'm, I'm, I might call it a phase as, as we all go through that, uh, right? At a time, uh, phase might be not appropriate, but hey, uh, you know, a time where we we know it all. Well, we think we know it all, right? Yeah. And and, and there's a saying that um, one of my teachers used to say that, you know, there's nobody out there who knows it all. And if you're the person who thinks that you know it all, that you, you have it all figured out or you have the answers to everything, you're the biggest fool among in that room. Uh, there you go. That, that, kind, that kind of stuck with me as well for a very long time because I used to be the same, you know, think I had the answer for everything. Um, I knew the next b big thing that you were just looking at. I'm like, yeah, I know this already. I'll, yeah, I saw it two days ago, right? So I've, I've, I've looked at it back inside out. So, and I could like fill you in. And it didn't dawn to me how that comes across on other people, right? Because you're just being yourself because you just know it all. You, you found out everything before anybody else was doing it. And, and then what that was, was it's, it's just being foolish, thinking that, oh, um, you know everything else and you sometimes well it was my deep uh, fault there as well in terms of i would assume a lot of time that because i know it everybody knows it as well um which was another downfall for my side it was like well no everybody does not know everything as well because i know it does not mean that that person knows it all because i'll come across <laughs> somebody and they'll say oh no i don't know this i'm like what what you mean you know uh, uh, that's already already on the wrong foot um which is now, so your journey took you to uh, to that part, and obviously the education side of things softened you to open up a bit more and let God in, and then here you are, right? So, yeah, what's the success stories that you are able to share that now you you know that you're completing your leadership journey or or pivotal points uh, which are still driving you? Yeah, totally. So the. I always knew that I wanted to be in some sort of ministry setting. I was going to be some kind of minister, some sort of pastor. Um, and found myself attracted into the Baptist world. It's not where I grew up. I grew up in the mainline Protestant tradition and now claim the, uh, the Baptist tradition. And so I just, I, I leaned in, I decided I was going to be a Baptist pastor and so I go to seminary, you know, like you do. And it's while I'm there that in studying ethics and studying the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic, the original languages of the text, that uh, I am forced to make a big decision uh, when I'm confronted by some truth in the text that went 
in opposition to things that I'd always thought, always knew, always been taught um, about LGBTQ folks, which really changed the trajectory of my career. So when Jesus shows me in the Bible a stance of welcome and affirmation and love for the LGBT community, I was furious. <laughs> this was not good news for someone studying to be a Baptist pastor to be confronted and forced to change their mind about traditional exclusionary policies about gay folks in the church. And, and so that sets up sort of the, the stage of my life and my career that I find myself in. And, and it's, it's so fascinating to me looking back on it. Most folks, when they change their mind about something like LGBT inclusion, it starts with your heart. You like, you feel it, you know it uh, before you can articulate it. Mine went the other way. I started in my head, I was reading the Greek and the Hebrew, and it convicted me that I was wrong to exclude gay folks. And I was mad about it because my heart hadn't moved yet. And so I, I knew my career was over because if the, the Bible says that I have to take it seriously, I can't now intentionally harm and exclude folks who Jesus has told me to love. So I was like, well, guess I don't get to be a pastor in this tradition. Um, but did manage to weasel my way into some churches. And um, it was in 2019 at the church that I serve in North Georgia. We're deep south, y'all. If it can happen in Kennesaw, it can happen anywhere. Um, 2019, I'd been at Townview Baptist for, I, I think, about two years. And we had several same-sex families start worshiping with us, families with kids. Um, that's the gay agenda, by the way. You hear that phrase a lot, the gay agenda. The gay agenda, as I have encountered it, is trying to get your kids to eat breakfast and make it to school on time, get them to soccer practice and in bed with enough time to like maybe watch Netflix with your husband. Like that's that's what the gay agenda has been exposed to be to me. Um, and so these folks were worshiping with us, and that's that is allowed at almost any church. There's nearly no church in the United States today that's not like clearly a wackadoo institution that's going to say no, you cannot show up on a Sunday morning. Um, a lot of churches operate on a don't ask, don't tell sort of situation. Like, it's fine if you're here and you're gay, but we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to hear about it. And we sure as hell don't want to see it. So just, you can come, but this is as far as it goes. And so some of these folks have been worshiping with us. Their children got involved in Sunday school. They started attending Sunday school classes. They started making friends. Um, and then they asked the question, can we be members here? Can we be part of this family? Well, that's where the line is, right? That's where that stained glass ceiling is in most churches. And so if you went and looked at our membership documents, the, um, our constitution said all who profess faith in Jesus Christ and have been baptized can be members but our denomination, Southern Baptist, largest denomination in the world, says no, <laughs> definitively, clearly no. Um, and so 
we had the, this issue between our denominational status and the traditionalist perspective. Uh, Townview is not a conservative church, never really has been. Uh, women in leadership, a lot of openness to, to different traditions and ideas. But welcoming gay members, that's a big step. And so we started a process. There are two pastors at Townview. And so the two of us formed a plan because both of us felt convicted that this was the right way to go. And so we designed a nine-month process that would have meetings and discussion and guest speakers and Bible studies and prayer meetings, like proper debate, like debate with experts we would host. And we put all of these things together and start building towards this long, intimidating process, knowing, and here's the thing, if you start this conversation, you can't turn it off. We knew once we went public with, we want to have this talk, if it didn't go our way, we would lose our jobs. Um, and being in Baptist world, we lost our jobs. We were not going to find new ones as the pastors that got fired for trying to have gay members. Um, so we start this journey. And the first step was a meeting with our deacons because they serve as what we call our membership committee. Their job is to help take care of members and help us understand what the role, what it means to be a member and who can be one. So we went to them and said, our documents don't say no. And we think that this is the right choice. And here's our plan for a nine month discussion. Well, that meeting ended very abruptly and with quite a bit of anger. And some of those deacons walked down the hall to Sunday school classes, older, more conservative Sunday school classes and set fires. Um, and so our nine month plan ended in about nine weeks. It was nine weeks when we made the vote uh, because everyone who wasn't on board just left. When we wow. voted, it was unanimous uh, in the affirmative because those who weren't sure or those who were sure that the answer was no did not stick around to vote or to pray or to study or to talk. People who have been at this church 15, 20, 30, 35 years just disappeared. Wow. And some folks came and ha had meaningful conversations with us about why their convictions wouldn't allow them to stay, things like that. Some of them were incredibly annoying. Uh, one of the most painful experiences for me in this process was I had a group of nine young families, like core young families, come and sit in my office at the church and say, Pastor, we think you're right, but we have to leave because we can't be seen as liberal. Like, just kill me. Come on, people. Uh, what, are we, what are we doing here? But some people came and talked to us and told us they were leaving. And some of them were very cruel about it. Some were very appreciative and very loving. But what hurt the most was a lot of folks just disappearing. Never saying a word. People whose parents you buried or whose kids you baptized, whose weddings you performed, who just disappeared. We, when the dust settled, when we took the vote, we had lost a third of our staff, a third of our membership, and half of our budget with it. Um, so, and that's, that's par for the course. If you are going to take this journey, it is going to hurt. It just will. But justice frequently does.
And so that's where we find ourselves today is in this process of learning how to be church together again. Um, smaller than we were, but in a serious uh, growth phase. The number of people from the LGBTQ uh, community and their friends and their parents and their children who have had no place to feel safe have found their way to us. It's incredible. It is nothing has bolstered my faith in a living God like seeing and encountering so many people who the church has brutalized and destroyed who have turned or who have re not rejected Jesus. People rejected by the church who haven't thrown Jesus out and are still trying to find ways to live faithfully in a world and in a subculture that rejects them. And it is a humbling invaluable and holy experience to be among them and to learn from them. Wow. It's, 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 it's a very moving story there that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm speechless. So I have no words to say it. Also what you've gone through uh, and I, I can, I can feel the pain there. And I, what, and when you said there were these um, young families uh, that, they came and sat with you and they said, yes, you are right, but they cannot support that. So they have to leave. Yes. I'm just thinking, wow, you know, like, okay, so you're understanding that it's, you agree with, with it. They're saying, yeah, you're right, but you cannot. So they don't want to be but seen can't do as it. Yeah. They, and, and then just, and because they don't want to be seen as liberals, right? So in terms of like, okay, you don't want to be, so it's, it's an image as well on top of, what you are doing as your faith, right? So faith aside, you 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 believe in something. You you know you're coming and worshiping and you're doing everything, but now you want to sustain the image of your faith as well. Uh, what they, you know, what is uh, norm by the society? I would say, right? So yeah, oh, right. Um, this is what we've been passed down from our parents and their parents and granddads and fathers and, and so on and so on so this is it it cannot be changed uh, well i mean it's, it's you know this this is something uh, i always say it's like a, a never-ending debate because you can go around the circles go around the circles because uh, a lot of things were you know decided and done at a time where what what you have today did not exist that time right mm -hmm. uh, it was different times different different things were needed, different, um, they had different prior priorities and what you have now. Uh, you were uh, mentioning like COVID earlier as well. So you obviously, you're, I'm sure your church played a big part in that time as well to um, get people together. And uh, if, you know, I'm sure you had few uh, funerals to arrange and all that because there were lots of lives being lost during that time. Uh, loved ones were, were taken away from a lot of families. Um, it's, it was, it's, it's the time where we needed to stick together. How was that time uh, whilst all this was happening for you then? Right. So it, <laughs> the timing could not have been worse speaking completely selfishly. I mean, there's never a good time for a pandemic, but for our community, it really, it, the dust settled i i finally felt stable enough to take a vacation <laughs> i was on vacation 
in uh in Mexico. No, I was in Costa Rica. I was in uh Tamarindo, Costa Rica. Um the first time I heard the words coronavirus and pandemic. Um and we kind of rushed home uh when we started to see what they were doing with the airports and such. But our community had just started to stabilize. We finally had a sense because we voted in September of 2019. So that's that's when we split. That's when we blew up. That's that's when we made the decision and everything really finally came to a head. And so we finally start to feel like we know what life is going to look like here. We know who's still with us. Uh, we know what leadership is still here. Um, and that's when the pandemic hits. And now it's harder to be together. We have to, we went uh, for the first, we starting in March of 2020, we were online asynchronous only for 16 or 17 weeks and then started transitioning into a in-house live stream event and are now living in sort of a hybrid space of those. Um, so we haven't, we haven't had the chance to properly heal, which is very difficult because now it's very hard to know, say, who's with us, who's still connected, who is on the other side of that camera. Um, and we work hard, Zoom, phone calls, encouraging groups of people to find each other in safe ways, making opportunities for people to be together. But it, it really isn't the same. And so we've had to lean on our values and principles in this time to know what sort of decisions to make. Um, I've been, I'm going to, I'm going to tip my hand a little. Um, I've been so frustrated by churches that have not made any attempt to protect their people during the pandemic and not seeing them be penalized, <laughs> like seeing it work for them makes me so frustrated. Uh, that's, that's in the Bible, right? God makes the sun to shine on the righteous and the unrighteous, the rain to fall on the, the just and the wicked. Um, I'm mad that God is allowing good things to happen to people who I don't think are doing the right thing. So I need to repent and work on that. Um, but we've made really hard choices and there have been, there's been political pushback. We've been accused of acting in line with certain political parties um, or ignoring this or that. Everything's so charged and politicized and polarized that there's no decision you can make that doesn't have someone sending you an angry email. Even in a community like Townview, I is this is I've been in ministry for 12 years. This is the most honest, genuine, and loving church I've ever been a part of. And we send angry emails about masks or hand sanitizer or online services. Um, because we're all so worked up. And, and so I've been trying to encourage people to deal with each other inside the community. Both this, this was language that we developed during the LGBTQ decision, but have carried on into COVID days that we should have um, humble confidence in our stances, that certainty 
and zealousness and the the spirit of the crusader is not the spirit of the church but that we lead with justice and kindness and love to a fault and so when we make our mistakes we make them by erring towards too much grace too much kindness too much patience and too much love and so we can be confident in our belief about who is welcome in the church or how the church should respond to a global pandemic but that does not mean that you have a license to dunk on your disagreeable neighbor or to hate the people that disagree with you but that we humbly knowing we don't like we said earlier we don't have all the answers we don't have all the pieces that's why we live in community we need each other um but that we stand in a humble confidence around these decisions and our convictions. Wow. It's, you know, every time you're sharing that story, it's, it's so moving. And, 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 to, and also, you know, to see you uh, so connected to it uh, as well, it's, it's a breath of fresh air to me listening as well. Um, we haven't had many uh, pastors on the show. Uh, we had few. but i can see the energy that's coming from you the uh, is 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 there so your connection uh, and everything you are saying you know is uh, you you mean it right so you you're you're doing it for the greater good uh, and 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 i i will say you, you i can see that you have succeeded in what you have started uh, that journey uh, and that i can also see that is a part of your self development so you are also developing whilst you are embracing and getting everybody to understand around you as well you know the lgbtq and uh, covid situation that that arises after uh, you know because you were just settling and now this so there was not enough time to now just hey we we've just agree on this let's understand this what it is right it's like all oh, right we've we've learned all this it's time to like implement it oh hang on before we implement it here's a new thing right, <laughs> right? so yeah so now you've got right so we uh, i'm still trying to understand this that you've introduced to me oh i need to now also in- include this right uh where do I, and i know uh you know no fault of uh, of a person we all human at the end somebody somewhere drops something anyway they like, well i'll stick to these things because i know th- this makes me feel uh warm and fuzzy and i'm confident with this i'll be like yeah safe uh this is all new stuff to me you know that that can now wait right i'll i'll do that later or it's not important anymore um where everything is important is now than ever that everything becomes important and and you rightly said earlier you know that we need each other that's why we live in communities we always lived in communities we moved around as communities from the time of hunter gatherers time right we we've, we've been always part of a uh, huge communities you've never seen a, a a person all by itself doing things they always rely on others to support each other right in in hunter gatherer times somebody will be a hunter somebody is a gatherer somebody starts the fire some you know cooks and all that so everybody knew what their role were and then you help each other to thrive and then grow uh, obviously the times have changed but we still have that uh, mindset we still have that um system within us to do the same things we are still working as a hunter gatherer in the mindset side of things but yeah you know 
but the technology has come in. A lot of systems have changed for us. So we don't need that hunter gatherer mindset in terms of, right, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. What well, we can all do the same things now because we are all capable of learning these things now. We can all do a lot of all these things. We can all help each other doing the same things as well because a lot of time uh, people are taught by society that you're the only one who's going to do this and no one's there to help you. Well, that might be true in some experts, but there are others who can help you if you know where to look for. Do you agree? Oh, yeah, totally. That's, that's why um, in uh, the Bible, Paul talks about the church as the body of Christ and that all of us have a different function. It, we're not all eyes. We're not all noses. We're not all hands. We're not all pancreas. Everyone has a role to play to keep the community healthy. And he's got this idea, uh, you find it in Galatians, that when we encounter, when we say yes to Jesus and we become a part of the global, uh, the cosmic church, that we are gifted in certain ways. That There are things that God has implanted in you like talent and that there are gifts that the Christian receives uh, that are the things that their church needs. And so when one of us doesn't live into our role in the community, we all suffer. And when we withdraw from the community, we start to lack. We need each other. I, I agree with that 100%. Uh, 100% with that, uh, you know, there, that we need each other. And if we're not recognizing the, the talent or the gifts, uh, and that only comes when you're taking part, right? So that's where you will... Uh, it will flourish and come forward um, to you. Because um, a, a lot of people are always lost and saying, what is my purpose? Well, purpose is always staring at you. It's always with you. It's just that you're not connected to what you are doing anymore. You're just doing it because society is telling you, A, to do it. And you've been just told that you're going to grow up and do this, for example, yeah. right? There is a whole path that you're going to follow. And, and, you know, uh, Netflix doesn't help, for example, as well. You know, showing movies that this is what you're supposed to be doing at this time. Uh, you know, and uh, and if you're not doing it, you're a failure. <laughs> right? Right? So, yeah. So, and we believe it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So all that kind of plays all that part with you. And you're like, okay, so I'm going to be focused on achieving these things. Forget everything else. And you're like, just in that rat race uh, of or on a hamster wheel, just trying to be the part that society wants you to be and, and fit in, uh, you know, instead of, right, this is me here. I can fit in that part. Let me fit in there and you can all see me shine, right? Yeah, I think it was Henry Nowen um, who said that if you want to, to figure out what your calling is, if you're seeking your purpose, your vocation, that what you should do is find where your deep gladness matches the world's deepest need. Find a place, but to do that, right? To find a place where there's a hole, to find a place where there's a need, an injustice in the world that you are capable of filling, you have to be out there. You won't find your purpose, you won't find your calling if you withdraw, if you huddle, if you circle the wagons around yourself to make sure that you're safe and comfortable you'll probably be safe and comfortable and bored. You won't figure out what you're supposed to do by, didn't you just say something about Netflix? By yeah. sitting around and letting movies tell you what you're supposed to do or let um, 
Here's a big scary word. The media tell you what you're supposed to do or like or think or care about. You have to get out there into the world. You have to know people who are different from you because we all have different pieces of the puzzle. The more exposed you are to the reality of our communities, the more you're going to be in touch with how you have been designed to meet a need, and that's where you're going to find your fulfillment. I, I agree with that 100%. You know, and you mentioned their media. You know, I, I would just like to touch on that, that all during this pandemic and COVID, well, I mean, in UK, there is still debates going around uh, what to do and what not to do with the restrictions and all that. What I, you know, it was like, okay, I stopped. I, I don't watch the news anyway, especially during that COVID time. It was all switched off, like because it was just creating scare mongery there, right? It was just creating scare some there because you'd be yeah. like, looking numbers going up, numbers going up, and you're like, "Well, I just went to the shops to get milk. I don't didn't see anything like this, right? Where is this? Oh, okay. Uh, so what I did was I was just connecting to my neighbors. I started connecting with my neighbor or neighborhood area and all that people around me because we were allowed to go out for walks and things like that. So you can do that. So you you'll see now. Um, a lot more people that you've never actually seen. You're like, oh, you actually live in this house. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, this house actually has a car now because it was never there before because uh, probably they came when I was asleep and they left when I woke, before I woke up. So there's a lot of people I got to meet and I said, okay, now if you don't watch the news and then you look at your neighborhood, you'll be like, that's polar opposites. Like we are actually thriving. We are connected now because we are seeing each other. We are, you know, you open the window is there and everybody's home. So we are talking through each other's garden walls uh, and we're getting to connect a lot more. Uh, but if you're watching the news, what the news is trying to do was don't speak to your neighbor because you might catch it. You're like, yeah, well, you know, if I'm smart, I can have a little distance that you are, prescribing us to do anyway so i can still talk to my neighbor from a distance right yep. six feet in uh, a mask doesn't mean you can't be friends yeah that, exactly exactly right but because they were they were they were uh, i was reading in the paper as well sometime there, there was neighbor snitching on neighbor oh yeah th this person's gone out of in curfew time yeah not supposed is that to what happened to like, boris <laughs> well boris is under under scrutiny now as well good having parties while he was telling right? everybody <laughs> he was telling everybody not to have those things and he's doing it so and this is where i just say you know i watch those things for entertainment purposes right but <laughs> but rec recognize what's in front of you you know what you are seeing is real in terms of what you've seen yourself not on a on a tv or right. news or anything like that, right? What you've seen is real. What you've heard has some sort of stance until you've seen it. Because, yeah, you, you, you know, the rumor actually spreads a lot more faster nowadays um, than actually a good news. So you just have to be, so is this credible? Just look for credibility of the, of the things that you're listening to nowadays, right? Yeah, you, it's important to be informed, but that doesn't just mean the TV. Um, I, I make sure that I check, um, as, as a leader in my community, I check very, I, always, I trust local sources more than big sources. I check COVID numbers and the situation for our county um, every day and try to, and we've got people in our church that are medical professionals. I check in with them weekly to see what the big picture is 
but that's always going to be different than my neighborhood or my church or my family. And so it's important to be sort of aware of the situation in a tiered setup, that you know how to take care of your family and yourself, you know how to take care of your immediate community and your neighborhood, and that you're not doing that in such a way that it's hurting your city or your county or your nation in some way. I think we have to, people have been so concerned with, and okay, I'm going to set, set this statement up a little bit. I chose to be a Baptist. I was raised Presbyterian. I chose to be a Baptist because our polity, the way that we structure the denomination and the churches themselves and how leadership looks, it's almost libertarian. It's very free. It's very loose. There's no hierarchy. Um, I'm a member of my church. I happen to be employed by it as well. Um, there's not a pope. There's not a bishop. No one can come and tell Townview necessarily that we're doing things wrong. So I'm very freedom-minded. As a good Southern American, I'm all about that there freedom. Uh, anyway, um, a lot of folks in COVID world have been so concerned with their rights that they've forgotten about their responsibilities. And it's important to hold both in balance and with open hands, that we're not so afraid to, to lose our freedom that we don't live freely and that we don't become so obsessed with what's being taken. I don't want to wear a mask. I've got masks in my car that I don't want to wear a mask that impinges on my nose's freedom to be in. So I don't know. I've never understood the anti-mask thing, but that you're so concerned about you that you forget about the vulnerable around you. Part of what it means to have rights, part of what it means to be free is to care for your community. If you don't want someone bigger or more powerful coming in and telling you how to be, you're going to have to take care of each other. Oh, I, I, I love this. And I agree 100%. It's, it's something that uh, I have started noticing about myself. Uh, you know, I, I'm I say I'm already a courteous person, but during COVID and now as well, uh, my day role in, uh, requires a lot of engagement with the public. So it's uh, that I've noticed now that I, when I am uh, out and about, so um, sometimes I have masks, sometimes I don't have masks, sometimes I've forgotten the mask. So it's, it's there, um, but the courtesy, it will be if I'm walking and I see uh, another person coming towards me and the, you know, the, the footpath's not that wide enough to, I'll just stop in front of uh, a car or something to let that person walk past and then carry on. Uh, there you it's go. just a common courtesy because I'm like, all right, I do not have a mask and I do not know how vulnerable this person is. He does have a mask, but I'm going to protect him and myself as well and just stop here. Just it's just an extra couple of minutes maybe, or, you know, just, just saying uh, it might be shorter than that, but let's say a minute that I just had to stop. It's not the end of the world for me. I'm going to then continue. Um, there are times when I have a mask on and it is bothering me, like, cause I, I do wear glasses as well. There are sometimes and, I, yes. and, and it bothers, but I'm like, well, I'm in a place which is, which have lots of people. And for, I don't know who is, who and you know who is vulnerable who's not and who is actually infected themselves so i don't want to be infected so or i don't want somebody else to be infected right and this is where you just think think of that like that and you're like okay 
if and if you're thinking right, I I need just move away from that place. If it's you, you need to take your mask off, and you know if your health is important to you in terms of that, oh, I must. I I think that's just being. I I just look at it as being selfish. That you're saying, I need to be here, but without a mask. Well, if you can be here without a mask, that's fine. But if you can't, well, you make a choice. What do you want? Yeah, right? exactly. But yeah, I keep them. So I'm I'm vaccinated. I'm healthy. I take lots of precautions. Um, I don't feel the need to wear a mask all the time. My rules for myself is I wear it anywhere I'm asked to, or when I'm with someone who's wearing one. If they're wearing it, I'm gonna. I take mine out of my pocket and put it on because I want them to be comfortable and feel safe around me. It's not an inconvenience really at all, right? Yeah. No. Exactly. I mean, it's this. What I'm hearing here at the end is like it's all it's all about the mindset, right? It's only an inconvenience if you're making it one, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing is nothing is inconvenience until you create it to be one, right? And, you know, it's a bit like uh, that squeaky door you never noticed until you sat at home one day, whole day. It wasn't an inconvenience all that door because the door was squeaky because you were busy all that time, right? Or one day you were free and you were sat all day home and then you start noticing, hey, this door squeaks. That is bugging me now. I'm going to start fixing it. Well, it wasn't an inconvenience all that time before that, right? So this is what we, we, we're giving it importance to something which is irrelevant. Uh, you know, is okay, make a choice of respecting the person which is in front of you. If, as you said, if he's wearing a mask, just wear one just to show courtesy. It's, it's a common courtesy. It, is, it actually does not, you know, it's not as common anymore uh, as it should be. That's that in my view. Uh, and I, I meet a lot of people uh, out there. So the common courtesy is not so common anymore. Uh, and it's, it's just, you know, it makes me sad a lot of times when I, I meet a lot of people and who are the one complain as well. And it was like, you know, it works both ways. If you, you know, you cannot clap with one hand. So if you want to make a clapping sound, you need something else to bounce off with. Uh, two hands are better to make a clapping sound or another person's hand to do a high five um, to have a clapping sound. So it's a give and take, right? So respect for both uh, side of the people that has to be done to then reach the maximum community uh, things that you can do, right? To reach the growth and supporting each other instead of just saying, oh, I am. Uh, I feel this way. Well, yeah, okay. You may feel that way. I feel uh, throughout COVID, I felt oh, stuck at home. But hey, what can I do, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's it's a process I had to accept. It's it's all uh, how I look at it. It's it's, an, uh, it's a process of acceptance of what what is happening now, and say, okay, how can I make this journey now that I'm in even better than what it is? What 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 do you think of that? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's about a mindset that takes responsibility for yourself and your community. 100%. And that, that, that's how most things are. If you choose, because you can choose to live selfishly, and you can do pretty well for yourself um, when you live in that mindset, but there's, there's a loss of freedom. There's a myopicness. You get tunnel visioned and, and lose sight of things that are important. Um, because you can only see that immediate response for yourself. That's part of what I find so captivating about life in the church is that when it's working, it's impossible to make it about you. It's about 
community. It's about justice. It's about producing a more beautiful uh, world and bringing about reconciliation between people and themselves, people and their neighbors, between enemies, between creation and its creator. It's a, that story of reconciliation is so compelling, but you will miss it. Even if you are embedded in the Christian faith, you will miss it if you choose to live with a, it being a story about you. I agree with that 100%, 100%. And, you know, with, with that thought, I would like to say thank you very much for your time. I know you, you, you would love to go back inside uh, with, to be with, the, you know, with your family. And so thank you very much for taking that time out. Humble thank you for having me and for adjusting your Tuesday talk to a Wednesday. Had some things come up yesterday that I just couldn't get around. And I, I appreciate your patience and kindness and hospitality. You're, you're very welcome. I know, I, I know how, how, you know, how things are in life. So if things happen unexpectedly. We just have to adapt and adjust. So that, there we are. Uh, well, thank you for, for today as well. Final words before we uh, wrap this up, what would you like to say to listeners that are listening? As, as a pastor, I want you to know that you are loved truly and deeply by people around you, whether you know it or not, and by the source of all being, that the, the final word on reality and on your life is love. And for those of y'all out there, maybe, maybe there's someone listening today uh, who has had the journey of some of my new LGBTQ friends, um, whether it's around sexuality or something else, that you have been rejected by a church or by any community, um, I promise you that there are people out there that are willing to know you and to love you. Sometimes it just takes looking. Wow, wonderful. Thank you very much uh, for, for sharing that. And this is for anybody who is actually listening to it now or watched with life and just tuned in or listening to this as it's going to be left uh, on IGTV uh, player there. If you found this episode, uh, you know, inspiring or you had a little bit of a spark moment, you, you had that spark. Now it's our duty to share this episode with whoever just came in your mind whilst you were listening. Um, because we never know, you know, who's woken up on going to bed thinking of a better tomorrow or today. Uh, and you just sharing this episode with that person might just give them the same spark that you just had or a motivation or an inspiration. So we don't know. So if you feel inspired, uh, just share it. And I would like to say thank you very much to everybody who was here today. And we'll be back again for next Tuesday. And thank you very much as well for you as well. Thank you so much. See you later. Grace and peace.